Everyone loves a good family mystery, especially one with as many twists and turns as June's journey. Step into the role of June Parker and search for hidden clues to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder. Find hidden clues and uncover a murder mystery. Solve mind-teasing mysteries of the Roaring Twenties. Engage your sense of observation to find hidden clues. Search for hidden objects from the parlors of New York to the sidewalks of Paris and uncover a collection of dazzling hidden object spectacles for you to solve. We're all here because we love true crime, right? Well, this game has the perfect twists and turns to keep your brain asking, what happened here? There's nothing I love more than getting to decorate my very own luxurious state island. The best part? You can chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Hello, listeners. I'm your host, Amara, and this is Black Girl Gone, a true crime podcast. On this episode of Black Girl Gone, we tell the story of 37-year-old Jackie Neal, who was shot to death on March 10, 2005, in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Jackie was a well-known blues singer in the Baton Rouge area. The night she was murdered, Jackie was at a hair salon when her killer entered and shot her and another woman who ultimately survived. But Jackie's murder shocked everyone who knew her. This is Jackie's story. Before I get into this week's story, I wanted to give you all an update about Jashiah Moore. Now, for those who don't know, Jashiah is a 14-year-old girl who had been missing from East Orange, New Jersey. And I talked about her in the beginning of episode 37. Now, I actually should have given you all this update last episode, but I really didn't get a chance to, so I apologize for the delay. By now, I'm sure most of you who have been following the story already know what has happened in this case and the really shocking developments. But for those who don't know, Jashiah was found in New York City at a shelter on November the 11th. Now, Jashiah had apparently run away from her mother, who she is accusing of abuse. When Jashiah was found, she had cut her hair in an attempt to hide her identity. And when police spoke to her, she would not give them her real name at first. Now, authorities said that Jashiah accused her mother of both abusing her verbally and physically. Now, in recently filed court documents filed by Essex County in New Jersey, the prosecutors there are saying that Jashiah was beaten and stabbed by her mother. Now, the details of this are extremely disturbing. They allege that Jashiah's mom was beating her with frying pans, stabbing her on her shoulders, spraying bleach in her eyes, and pulling her braids out. They also allege that Jashiah's mother would force her daughter to go out on the street and beg for money, and when she did not bring home enough money, then she would beat her. They also said that she then refused to enroll Jashiah in school. Now, the complaint says that Jashiah has bruises and scars that coincide with the stories of this alleged abuse. First and foremost, I think it is important that when a child says that they are being abused, our first instinct needs to be to believe the child, period. Now, we do not have all the facts in this case, and we don't know all of the details, but if what the prosecutors are alleging is true, then I'm glad that Jashiah had the courage to run away from her abuser. And she might have just saved her own life. 
thousands of children are being abused by their parents. We see it happening all the time. We see the stories. And I will never, ever understand how you can create a child, bring them in the world, and then abuse them. Like, I get sad when I have to discipline my kids when they're doing something bad. I can't imagine abusing them and torturing them. I mean, the looks on their little faces break my heart when they're sad or they're afraid. We as parents should be their protectors, the protectors of our children, not their monsters. Now, I saw a lot of people on TikTok commenting on the video that I posted about Jashai's mom being arrested, saying that, you know, this will you know be another reason why the cops don't care about black girls or, you know, women or when they go missing, why they assume that they're all runaways. But let's just be honest. The police and the general public already don't care. They don't need Jashia's story to make excuses about why they don't care. Also, is running away exclusive to black and brown people or children, like white children don't run away too? So the automatic assumption that a black person is a runaway is rooted deeply in the fact that people just don't care. The sad part is that even if Jashia had been kidnapped or something terrible had happened to her, they still would not have cared the next time a black woman or girl goes missing. So don't be jaded by the fact that Jashia was a runaway. Her story is very complicated. And people, police, the mainstream media, they weren't going to care either way. And if the allegations are true, she was actually running for her life. The real question is, where is Jashia's family? And did anyone close to her know that she was being abused? I mean, I wonder, did she ever tell anybody? You know, I pray that there is someone in Jashai's family who was able to take her and her brother in, because I don't want her to end up in the system where she could potentially be abused further. Now, I will keep you all posted about this ongoing story, but let's continue to keep Jashai and her little brother in our thoughts. This week's story takes us back to Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Now, I'm not sure if I've ever told you all this, but I love Louisiana. I've been trying to get back there for forever. Now, I've never been to Baton Rouge, but I'm intrigued by everything Louisiana, from the food to the culture to the accent. Did I say the food? I really just love y'all. I also make a pretty good gumbo, too. Now, it ain't gumbo like I'm from Louisiana, but I know about the chocolate color roux and the Holy Trinity, so believe me, you could be pleasantly surprised. Now, if you are from Baton Rouge and old enough, you may remember the story of Jackie Neal and what happened to her on March 10, 2005. Jackie's story is like all of these stories I tell, a sad, unnecessary one. Jackie was a talented singer who was finally starting to gain more notoriety for her music. But people often don't realize how often a man's jealousy plays into domestic violence. And I'm not just talking about cheating or thoughts that a woman may be cheating kind of jealousy. I mean like jealous of a woman's success, jealous of her life, jealous of the way people revere her or love her. Jackie Neal was born on July 7, 1967 in Baton Rouge. Jackie was the eighth of 10 children, and she was raised by her mother, Shirley, and her father, Rayful Neal, who was an internationally renowned blues artist. Her father, Rayful, started playing the harmonica when he was just 10 years old, and his very first harmonica was a homemade instrument made out of a comb and cigarette paper. Rayful began working at a young age, and eventually his work in the sugarcane fields for 75 cents a day earned him enough money to buy a real harmonica. And from then on, Rayful performed all over Baton Rouge and earned a reputation as being a premier blues musician. 
But when Rayful married Shirley, he had to set aside his dreams of superstardom. And so when his bandmates left for Chicago, Rayful stayed behind to be a husband and a father, which is something he never regretted. But Rayful's story didn't end there. He continued to make waves and became a blues legend. Growing up, Jackie and her siblings were surrounded by music and musicians, and so it only made sense that they began to follow in their father's footsteps. They developed their own gifts and their own love for blues. Jackie started singing at a young age, and she was just five years old, but it was clear at that age that Jackie was very talented. Even amongst a family of talented siblings, Jackie was clearly a star. An article in The Advocate about an exhibit in 2015 at the West Baton Rouge Museum about the Neal family, they featured a quote from one of the exhibit labels from Jackie's mom, Shirley, and it said that, quote, when the kids were growing up, I would come home from work, set about doing my stuff, and I would be listening to them. I enjoyed the music. I would never run them outside or tell them to be quiet. And the neighbors were always so nice about the loud music always coming from our house. Jackie attended high school at Capitol High School in Baton Rouge, where she was the head majorette. Now, outside of singing, Jackie also loved to do hair. And people who knew Jackie said that she was a loving person who was outgoing and fun to be with. After high school, Jackie began to pursue her musical career seriously. She started performing around the Baton Rouge area, and with the last name Neal and the talent to go with it, it wasn't long before people in that scene knew who Jackie Neal was. In the early 1990s, Jackie signed her first deal with a small independent record label called City Tracks in Baton Rouge. And in 1995, Jackie released her first album titled The Blues Won't Let You Go. The 12-track debut album showed off how talented Jackie was. The title song, The Blues Won't Let You Go, was a single off of the album. By the mid-90s, Jackie's music was becoming more and more popular in Baton Rouge and the surrounding areas. Black radio stations loved Jackie's sound. As her music career progressed, Jackie, who had always loved hair, decided to open up a hair salon. She called the salon Jackie's Jazzy Beauty Salon. Now, interestingly enough, there isn't much public information about Jackie's personal life during this time, but she did have three sons. It's so interesting that someone like Jackie has such little public information out there about themselves. I mean, I very much expect there to be a ton of background information about Jackie and her career, but in reality, there wasn't much information about her at all, not even about her music career. But throughout the 90s, Jackie did perform all over the Southeast. She would travel to Mississippi and Alabama often to perform her music, and the people loved her. In 1999, her father, Rayful, was inducted in the Louisiana Blues Hall of Fame. Jackie was not the only Neil sibling who was making a name for themselves. Nine out of the ten siblings were musicians. Her brother, Kenny Neal, who was a world-renowned blues musician himself, had also received an award for his performance of the Broadway production of Langston Hughes and Zora Neale Hurston's play, Mulebone. 
Jackie's siblings, like her, were finding much success with their God-given talents. In 2000, five years after her first album, Jackie released her second album called Looking for a Sweet Thing. And by this time, she had left City Tracks and had signed to a new record label called Backstreet Records. Two of the songs from that album were instant hits on the local airways. Right Thing, Wrong Man and Nookie Thing were two singles that really helped to elevate Jackie's career and solidified her standing in the music scene in Baton Rouge and the surrounding area. Everything in Jackie's life was going well. Her music career was becoming more and more successful. Her songs were being played on the radio and she was performing all over. Now, after years of traveling across states to perform her music, Jackie decided to invest in a tour bus. She had a band and she was booking more and more gigs out of state and so she needed something comfortable to travel in. So in 2002, Jackie purchased a 25 seat tour bus. Jackie loved her bus and she was proud of all of her accomplishments. And so she had Miss Jackie Neal written across the side of the bus. So everyone knew that that was Jackie Neal's bus. The same year Jackie purchased her tour bus, she released her third album called Money Can't Buy Me Love. Now, this album has the song Twerk It, which lets you know that no, Miley Cyrus did not invent twerking, nor did she make it popular. We've been twerking. Miley just gentrified it and made it mainstream because, as you can hear, Jackie Neal was talking about twerking in 2002. Now, like I said earlier, there wasn't much information about Jackie's personal life. It doesn't appear that she was ever married, and there isn't any information about any long-term relationships or men that she had dated before 2003. But in 2003, while performing at a concert, Jackie met a man named James White. When Jackie first met James, she wasn't as interested in him as he was in her. But James did everything he could to win Jackie's affection. He would send her flowers and gifts. I mean, he did anything he could to try to woo Jackie. Now, Jackie was very serious about her music. She was a very serious musician. And so she wasn't necessarily looking for a distraction. But eventually, James' persistence worked. And Jackie decided to give him a chance. You know, after everything he did, I guess she thought that, you know, I should give him a chance. Now, Jackie and James began dating, and Jackie found herself falling in love with James. But in 2004, tragedy struck the Neal family twice. In April 2004, Jackie's older brother, Ronnie Neal, who everyone called Snoop, died from complications from hepatitis C. Like his siblings, he too was a musician and played percussion. His untimely death was tough for the family, but... 2004 also took the patriarch of the Neal family. Rayful Neal had been battling cancer. It's not clear how long or what kind of cancer he had, but on September 1st, 2004, Rayful died. And losing your father and your brother within months of each other had to have been a devastating blow for Jackie and her family. But the deaths of Ronnie and Rayful would not be the last deaths to hit the Neal family. And neither Jackie or her family knew the tragedy that was waiting for them. The holidays are just around the corner, and I know exactly what I'm getting myself this year. Anna Luisa Jewelry. Anna Luisa Jewelry is made with you and the planet in mind. They are 100% carbon and water neutral, but also really pretty if you ask me, and I'm a jewelry expert. Their pieces are the perfect gift for anybody on your list friend, a partner, a sister-in-law, or a daughter to spoil. Their versatile designs are perfect to mix and match and wear every day. 
The gift guide on their website, along with their bestsellers page, are great destinations to browse most gifted options. I love to layer my necklaces, so I bought three necklaces I can mix and match. Plus, they're all timeless and chic and affordable. Now, if you know me, you know yellow gold is my go-to. I also love to pair really simple necklaces with my more bold earring choices. And so that's why I love Anna Luisa and can't wait to order more. I absolutely recommend checking out Anna Luisa at shop.annaluisa.com slash girlgone. I love them. Their prices start at just $39 and they are currently running the biggest sale of the year. You can get 60% off the second item if you go to shop.analuisa.com slash girlgone. That's shop.analuisa.com slash girlgone. It's the busiest time of the year. So if you need a break from the holiday action, Best Fiends is the perfect pick-me-up. It's seriously my new favorite game. Best Fiends is a match three style puzzle and adventure game all rolled into one. And with more levels being added all the time, there's always something new to play. Best Fiends has it all. An amazing storyline, collectible fiends, and tons of fun puzzles. I really can't put it down. It's quite possibly the best puzzle game out there. No Wi-Fi? No problem. Play Best Fiends wherever and whenever you want with offline mode. So even if your holiday travels take you off the beaten path, you can still pay Best Fiends. Now, I'm on level 137, and I just love it. I use it all the time when I'm waiting for my kids to come out of school, when I'm just needing to pass some time. So download Best Fiends free today on the Apple Store or Google Play. That's Best Friends without the R. Best Fiends. By the end of 2004, the deaths of Ronnie and Rayful, Jackie's brother and father, had been a devastating loss for the Neal family. But Jackie continued to perform because I'm sure that's what her father would have wanted her to do, to keep performing. Jackie was still dating James at this time, but there were things about James that were causing issues for Jackie. Now, Jackie had been traveling in her tour bus with her band, and one of her brothers was actually her band leader, and James had been driving her tour bus for her. But James was jealous. He hated the attention that Jackie got from her fans. He was just her boyfriend, and driving the bus most likely made him feel like he had been pushed into kind of like an assistant type of role. But Jackie had been Jackie before she met James. He had nothing to do with her career or her success. I mean, when he met her, he was kind of a fan. So the fact that after they began dating, he started to take issue with the amount of attention she was getting lets you know what kind of person he really was. See, that's the thing about jealous spirits. They're often irrational. They are more focused on what they don't have instead of what they do. And it's never enough. They always want more, especially if someone has something that they don't. Now, eventually, Jackie stopped James from driving her bus. It was just too much to deal with. And in December 2004, Jackie ended her relationship with James. But James did not take the breakup well. He was not ready to let go of Jackie, and so he began harassing her. But those who were close to Jackie said that despite his escalating behavior, she didn't think that James was actually capable of hurting her. Jackie tried to move on with her life, but James wasn't going to let that happen. In early March 2005, Jackie was performing at a club in Baton Rouge when James came to the club and punched out all of the windows in her car. James had begun making threats, but Jackie seemed to be somewhat unfazed. 
she was a very strong, independent woman. She was also well-known. And so I wonder if a part of her thought that she wouldn't or he wouldn't be bold enough to do something to her. Now, Jackie had begun planning a European tour with her band, and she was preparing for the release of her fourth album. Despite the issues going on in her personal life, Jackie was focused on her music like she always had been. She had even started dating someone else, and she really wanted to get signed to a major record deal. But James had other plans for Jackie, and he wasn't able to just let it go, and he wasn't about to let her just move on with her life and her career. On March 10th, 2005, Jackie had been preparing for her European tour with her band, but she was headed to Alabama that weekend to perform. And so that day, she decided to visit T Nails Beauty Salon to get her nails done. Now, it's not clear from reporting whether Jackie had gone to the salon alone or if she was there with a friend. But at around 6 p.m., while Jackie was sitting in the chair getting her nails done, James entered the salon. Now, there is no information about how James knew where Jackie was, but my assumption is that he had been following her. Now, there are some reports that say that he saw her tour bus parked outside, and that's how he knew that she was there. But it was a Thursday evening, and so the salon was pretty crowded at this time. And James comes into the salon, and he walks over to where Jackie was, and they engaged in a brief conversation, and then James left the salon. But 10 minutes later, James returned to the salon that was filled with people, but he was this time armed with a 45 caliber handgun, and he fired one shot into the ceiling, and then he yelled and told everyone inside the salon to get the F-U-C-K out. Now, the people in the salon started running towards the door. Angela Myers was also in the salon that day. Now, it's not clear who Angela was to Jackie, Some reports say that she was Jackie's friend, but others reports just describe her simply as being a customer. But as Angela turned to run out of the salon, James shot her in the back. He then turned the gun to Jackie, who was now alone in the shop, and he started yelling at her. And according to the witnesses who could hear James inside the salon, he said to Jackie, quote unquote, I told you, don't have that nigga by your house, but you had him there anyway. You know I love you, and we're going to die together. Jackie begged James for her life. She was saying, no, James, don't do it. Let me talk to you. Just let me talk to you. Do not do that. But James didn't care about Jackie's life or her pleas. James shot Jackie twice, once in the chest and once in the abdomen. And as Jackie laid there dying, James climbed on top of her and then turned the gun on himself and pulled the trigger. By this time, witnesses had called the police, and when they arrived, they found a chaotic scene. They found Angela Myers wounded but still alive, and she was rushed to the hospital. They also found James suffering from a self-inflicted gunshot wound, but he too was alive and was rushed to the hospital. Jackie, however, wasn't as lucky, and she was pronounced dead at the scene. At just 37 years old, Jackie's life had been stolen by a man that she had only known for a couple of years. He had become obsessed with Jackie, despite the fact that he was apparently seeing someone else. James was taken to the hospital where he underwent surgery for his wounds. And while he was in the hospital recovering, he was charged with the first-degree murder of Jackie Neal and the attempted first-degree murder of Angela Myers. 
Prosecutors said that James had been planning to kill Jackie for at least two days. But it's not known why he waited until she was in such a public place to do so. James remained in the hospital for weeks following the shooting. Jackie was laid to rest. Her funeral was attended by nearly 3,000 people. It was a real testament to how much people loved Jackie and how much her murder had affected them. After being released from the hospital, James was taken into police custody. And after being found competent to stand trial in December 2005, James, who had been given a public defender, was initially offered a plea deal that would have him avoid the death penalty. And James was advised by his counsel to take the deal and avoid, you know, lethal injection. Jackie's family was asked about the deal before it was offered to James, and they had agreed to the plea deal. And James, on the advice of his counsel, said that he would take the deal and plead guilty. In January 2006, a trial was set for James to plead guilty to murdering Jackie. Jackie's family was all in attendance, and they were hoping to close this chapter of their lives and watch Jackie's killer be sentenced to prison. Instead, however, James had changed his mind and decided to enter a plea of not guilty. He decided, for whatever reason, that he wanted to take his chances in court and in front of a jury. Now, Jackie's family was extremely upset. They wanted this to be over. They did not want to go to trial. And besides, there was no question in their minds about James's guilt. So James's attorneys, you know, attorneys began preparing to defend him in a murder trial. But after a few weeks, James again changed his mind and decided to do the right thing and plead guilty. And so in February 2006, another hearing was held. And this time, James White pled guilty to the first-degree murder and first-degree attempted murder. The judge sentenced James to life in prison. Before he was sentenced, Jackie's family spoke to the court and to James. Jackie's mother, Shirley, told James that she didn't hate him. She just hated what he did to her family, which is a strength I don't know I have. It would be very hard for me not to hate him, honestly. James did apologize to Jackie's family, but I just don't believe that you can apologize for murdering someone that you plan to murder. Jackie's mother at the time said she wasn't ready to accept his apology, but that she knew that James was sorry. James White is currently in prison where he will remain for the rest of his life. For Jackie's family, her mother especially, her death was the worst thing that could have happened to them. Now, like I said, there isn't much information about Jackie's three sons, but I assume they were all rather young when their mother was brutally murdered. And so losing your mom is hard regardless, but to have her murdered in such a brutal way has to make the loss that much more devastating. Today, Jackie Neal would have been 54 years old. I'm pretty sure by now she would have gotten signed to, you know, that major label she was working towards, or she would have made a name for herself as an independent artist in the age of social media. But her light was put out by a man who was jealous and controlling and who could not accept the fact that his relationship with her was over. So many women fall victim to these kinds of men. The predators who whine and dine you and then turn into controlling abusive monsters. Jackie's fourth and final album was released in 2005 and was titled Down in the Club. And one song on that album stood out to me. Listen to the lyrics. 
Take your words. I don't want you no more. Yeah. It hurts like hell, but you gotta go. Have you Jackie wasn't just hurt by love. A love that turned into an obsession ultimately took her life. May Jackie Neal rest in peace. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. We will be back next week with a brand new story. Join us on Patreon for exclusive episodes and ad-free episodes. As always, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Black Girl Gone Podcast. Listening on Apple Podcasts? Show your support for the show by leaving a review and a five-star rating. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.